where the heart is. Oh. <laughs> and on that, I say, welcome to Geeks with Kids, your bi-weekly <laughs> geeky podcast from a parenting point of view. I am your host this week, Matt Moore, uh, and welcome to this sort of spe- special, quick, episodic retrospective on the life and career of Sir Ian Holm, who tragically we lost uh, last week. Um, with me this week, of course, I have uh, Eric, Hawk, Steve, and special guest from Everything is Permitted, Brittany. How's everyone doing? Amazing. Everyone's tired. Everyone's tired. Everybody's thinking about Warzone. I'm thinking about The Last of Us. I'm always thinking about The Last of Us. Everyone's full of violence and sadness. It's never. (laughs) So let's talk about Ian Hall. Yeah. Yes. A shining beacon Um, of light and hope. He was. He was. In an otherwise bleak world. It's true. Mm. Yes. Sadly, we did lose uh, Sir Ian Holm to uh, Parkinson's related disease last week which is very very tragic he was uh he he'd also was very very on in years and had not been doing well the last little bit but my god the man had a storied career that we're gonna just have yeah. a quick little chat session about this isn't gonna be one of our standard uh gwk deep dives this is just us talking about our favorite roles the man did and god knows he had a lot of roles to talk about so many um so yeah i'm just gonna kind of open the floor up i'm actually gonna open the floor up to our special guest Brittany. You want to talk about some of your favorite Ian Holm bits, roles? Sure. I'll start with one of my my favorite roles and one of his most iconic that everybody knows. <laughs> I like to call it Hold Me Closer, Tiny Hobbit. Because it's the one <laughs> the one and only Bilbo Baggins mm. from the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, yeah. very, very end. Trilogy series. I think technically he showed up in The Hobbit, right? Yes. <laughs> they didn't make a Hobbit movie. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, what? they did. Yeah, they what made, is a Hobbit? Made, they made like five of them, didn't they? Uh, uh, so many movies th- no, that I never existed. I think that existed. was the amount of armies. Right. Allegedly. That Even though Bilbo should have been knocked out the whole time. Yeah, what? Anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, the iconic Bilbo. The wonderful kind of father figure to Frodo that he, even though he's his uncle, mm-hmm. I, he just brought mm-hmm. the character to life in an amazing way. And who can forget the really creepy face he makes when he reaches for the ring? The- yep. Oh, yeah. the world's creepiest CGI. I loved it. Well, you picture at 2 a.m., you know, when you have sleep paralysis. Yeah. <laughs> or true. at 7 a.m. when I wake up and look at myself in the mirror and it's like, ah! Yep. Uh, and you're like, oh, God, those bags. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Those baggins. Uh, nice. He was so good in that role. Just like yeah. I, I remember when I first read the book in like oh, it was grade seven or eight or something, mm-hmm. and you you start to picture those characters, and, and then you see the movie, and they're so like expertly put on screen by these actors, and Ian Holm did such a good like heartwarming portrayal, but you could still see that um that conflict with him for the ring because mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. yeah. having it for such a long time and. But his love for Frodo was also like, like mm. overshone it. It was it was amazing. It was such a good nuanced little performance. Oh, yeah, nuanced yeah. exactly. Really was exactly, and that especially given the amount that Frodo was actually in uh, Lord of the Rings, like it was he was able to really just grab his screen time and just like makes it like so many excellent choices he had with how he portrayed that character. Where like you could see the sadness and the years that weighed on him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of butter spread over too much bread. Right. I say that so much. <laughs> I do yeah. say so much. I got scraped over too much bread. I always feel like uh, that. I'm Just tired, like especially now. I'm tired, Gandalf. <laughs> we all are. When he shows up a little bit in the last movie and he's just like, I'd very much like to hold my ring again one last time. I know. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, Uncle. I believe I lost it. 
Oh, oh. Oh, oh God, it's so good. It's such I a good know. I don't want to cry right now. God damn it. <laughs> Thank you, Ian. Yeah, that's uh, I, I used to make this joke about how like anytime you need to improve a movie, you just need to two venerable British, venerable actors, British actors, right? Yeah. yeah, that's how Star Wars succeeded and the first X-Men succeeded. You just grab a couple yeah. of these Shakespearean guys and throw them in. And yeah. No matter how stupid the thing is, it works, right? I mean, now, have you course, seen Cats? Well, they almost mm. saved it. Almost. Um, <laughs> but uh, Ian McKellen yeah. was the only good part of Cats. I will fight anyone that... What did I was saying about Judy Dench sticking her leg up in the sky? I mean, come on. That's Judy Dench wearing gold. a damn... No, Judy Dench wearing her goddamn wristwatch. Her <laughs> wedding ring? Or her wedding ring. Okay, okay, okay. So back Anyways, to Ian Holm. Back um, to home. <laughs> but, I mean, that movie had, like, you know, like, so many great actors in it. But, yes, yes. Ian Holm's little contribution was, like, yeah, I mean, he, he made that... He made those moments really count. He's the quintessential yeah. Yeah. Uh, Bilbo. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, moving on to... I'm going to go from my screen. I'm going to go clockwise to Eric. Hi. Um, so the one I'm going to talk about is this little movie called Lord of the Rings. No, I didn't. (laughs) Um, but, uh, going off that, like me and Brittany were talking beforehand and we said, these are the three movies and we picked the same three. So I'm going to pick number two (laughs) on my list. Um, and it's uh, from 1997 and it is Luke Besson's the fifth element. Um, he played, uh, the, the priest Cornelius and it's such yeah. You don't really think of him in a comedic role, but he was really super funny in this in this part as this little neurotic priest who just yeah. wanted uh, Mila Jovovich to just go to this one spot. And it it it's a blast seeing him do that. And it was such a good movie. It just he just added to that. Cornelius. Thing, Cornelius. Yeah. Tito Cornelius. <laughs> yeah, he was really great. I I love Fifth Element and it's just one of those quirky sci-fi movies that like, you know, you're just like, this is so French and weird. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I need to to go back and watch it again. It's been a long time since I've watched the whole thing through because it's it's on Netflix. It's I know, but it's so hard for me to make myself sit through that movie sometimes. It's constantly on repeat on TV. You mean you don't watch it every time it's on? (laughs) No, it burns a lot. Corbin Dallas. Dallas. Some parts of it burn. I would definitely agree. I love all of it. I he thinks it's unbelievable. Oh, that one burns. <laughs> but that does nice. show his range as an actor. I mean, you go from, I yes. mean, this is obviously before mm-hmm. he was Bilbo, but you, he has these very, you know, sort of serious Shakespearean-esque roles. And mm-hmm. then you have him be this like caricature of a priest uh-huh. in this weird sci-fi. It's just a weird movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was a weird really movie. Awesome. 100%, oh, 100%. And his physical acting was very good in it, like when he passes mm. out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little role, but yeah, same thing. He uh, he shows his, his timing. <laughs> Doesn't he get like ziplocked in a bed? That was him, right? Yeah, they try to like oh, yeah. sneak uh, onto, a, onto a plane, right? And then they end oh, up, yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> oh, my God. Breathe. It's yeah. such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I can watch this movie later. Oh, man. I'm like playing Warzone. <laughs> I might do that as well, too, just so I can remind myself. All right. Next, Mr. Hawk. Hello. Hello, sir. Uh, so, yeah, I, I picked a couple of smaller roles that he did uh, earlier on in that. Uh, nice. Because I think as an actor, his strength was always in supporting in that. Because, like, I never mm-hmm. really, you never, when you think of him, you never really think of a lead role in that. But he's always that invaluable supporting uh, role yeah. to whatever's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, so 
one of my choices was uh, 1982's Brazil, directed by Terry Gilliam. Oh, okay, that was my one yeah. choice. Okay. Oh no! Did I steal your? That's one? the only one I had. That's okay. All right, go for it. <laughs> oh, there's another Steve, and I know it's in the front of your mind. You just haven't thought of it yet. He I guess. I think a, that was the one everyone was going to pick. So, all right, go ahead. But he plays an office manager named Mr. Kurtzman. It's a very busy office. There's a lot of activity going on whenever he's standing outside his door watching his workers and that. And as soon as he turns his back and goes into his office and that, everybody just stops what they're doing and starts watching TV. Mm-hmm. And there's this, there's this amazing comedic moment that happens and that every time he's so paranoid about the his job performance and that he keeps opening up the door and every time he does and that the office is constantly busy as soon as he closes the door he hears the tvs go on (laughs) and it i i don't know if if this was his earliest comedic role in that but it was one of the funniest in that especially his interactions with jonathan price and it's one of those pivotal roles because it's uh, in the movie and that because it's really some error that he catches in that is the the catalyst for everything that happens to Jonathan Price's character. In it. Yeah, uh, excellent. Everybody, should, I'm I'm hoping everybody will get it. We'll see it at some point. No, absolutely. yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Brazil is one of those movies. If you haven't seen it, please see it. Please, please, please. It's one of those top Terry Terry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Brazil's uh, one of my top films for me personally of like yeah. all time, actually, and. It, um, uh, yeah, it's a sci-fi dystopian dark comedy. If you don't know anything about it, mm-hmm. also be careful. There's uh, there's quite a few edits. I think these days, like with Blade Runner, there's really only one that you'll yeah. usually come across. But there were a couple TV versions that completely messed it up and changed the ending and yeah. everything. Uh, nevertheless, yeah, I mean, it's Jonathan Price is the main character, but like Hawk was saying, um, this Kurtzman character is it's yeah, that was the first character I thought of because yeah, it's a little it's a little role, mm-hmm. but again, it's this comedic thing where you really get the sense of this 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 manager who desperately wants to hang on to his job and he doesn't know how to do anything and he he relies on everyone else you know mm-hmm. and specifically Jonathan Price's character mm-hmm. to like survive in this ludicrous bureaucratic nightmare you know and mm-hmm. um and just just the things that he gets up to even in like the first like minutes that he's in the movie uh which is all you really ever see of him it's uh, <laughs> it's it's brilliant so yeah definitely uh definitely see Brazil if you haven't seen it no, hundred percent. Yeah, I guarantee it. It's again, it's it's quintessential Gilliam. You can't go wrong with it. It's it's the most it's one of the most Gilliam films I've ever seen, where yeah. he was really able to have free reign and just do his thing, and he does it so damn well. There was an um, interesting story about the, the cut of the film and that because the studio had kind of taken hold of it at some point and then started uh, doing those edits that you know, as Steve yeah. was saying, that there's a million of them in that. Um, he actually worked with an editor on his own uh, uh, and like without the studio's knowledge or asking, brought it to a film festival and showed his director's cut there. <laughs> and that yeah. was the, that was a version like uh, that you know a lot of the critics wrote about. It, and I think he won the award for it nice. in that showing. Yeah. But he had to steal his own film away from his studio. Studios were really, I mean, it still happens today, but man, some of the (laughs) things that people did back then. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because when I first saw it, uh, I don't remember how I came across it. And uh, and then years and years later, uh, I bought like a Criterion version when that was like a new thing. Oh, nice. (laughs) So I was like, oh, this is a definitive one. So I watch it and I'm like, this ending's not the same as the one I grew up with because I'd seen some version (laughs) somewhere. And what was cool about the Criterion, a blu-ray or dvd uh, it actually included the butchered tv edit which was even yeah. worse which was not the one so i've seen all three no. endings the three mm-hmm. main ones anyway yeah. uh, wow. and i'm actually on the fence as to 
which of the two proper endings are better because yeah. the the original one really affected me. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, so but regardless, check it out. Absolutely. Um, the one I have, and this is when we were ta- all talking earlier, I was kind of shocked that no one brought this up because this for me was like one of the roles that really just made Ian Holm one of my favorite actors. And it was uh, his portrayal of Sir William Gull from 2001's From Hell. Um, Me and Hawk were actually talking about this last night. Yeah. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, and again, like he is, his, he's phenomenal in that because he plays this, you know, aging benign physician to the queen uh, right up until the very end. And I don't, I, this, I'm not even going to care if I spoils for anyone. He, it turns out that in this film, he is also Jack the Ripper. Um, nice. And he has this absolutely glorious speech. Once uh, Johnny Depp's Inspector Aberline confronts him about the fact that he knows that he was he's the Ripper, where his eyes go from their very benign, beautiful blue to black. Like he turns his back, he turns around, his eyes are jet black, and he has this absolutely phenomenal speech that basically culminates with you know you know in history, people will say that I gave birth to the 20th century. And I was just like, oh, God. That's powerful. Because <laughs> he goes from, like, like that everyone's benign old British grandpa to this just sinister, calculating killer. In the, Like, you can watch him transition in that scene. Yeah, it's a descent, yeah. Beautiful to watch. Once again, um, it's because he's reaching for that ring, though. Yeah, <laughs> well, just, it's yeah. funny because From Hell actually came out seven months before... Lord of the Rings uh, came out. Mm. They were both 2001. Really? Yeah. That's really awesome. Yeah, they were they were back to back. Wow. Yeah, I think with From Hell, it's one of those movies where um, there's a little bit of controversy because the theory upon which is it is based is it's pretty fantastic. I mean, it's 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 one that has existed since before the graphic novel From Hell. Yeah. Um, and uh, and also the movie and the book uh, graphic novel are also quite different because graphic yes. novels literally this thick um but um it's a tent peg banging graphic yeah yeah it's it's, it yeah serious it's a serious uh, i don't know that the artwork has ever really held up that well to be honest but the Mm. the the book itself the story itself is is quite dense um but yeah i agree uh ian holmes says uh uh characterization and acting in that film like yeah it it gave me shivers like by the end when he makes that that statement yeah Um, because yeah he starts off as like this dutiful um, like he's, he's acting on behalf of the crown really initially, yeah, right. Exactly. As well as, um, you know, other interests, mm-hmm. right. Uh, and other groups. And, uh, and then by the end, he's starting to see his, that, that he's become part of a greater pattern in time mm-hmm. and history. Like it's yes. his descent is, is fantastic. Cause he's, he's not raving either. Like it's all no. very, it's all he's- very calm realization mm-hmm. of, what it is that he turns into. It's so cold, it's, it's rational logic. And that's what makes it more terrifying is the fact that you're like, you can, you don't agree with what he's, why he's doing it, but you understand in his head why he does what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, just, yeah, like the tone and just his delivery of it. it yeah. uh, it's really chilling. It, and again, it, it holds true to the statement that Steve made is that film, especially benefited from venerable British actors. Hmm. Um, because that was yeah, it was that was the Hughes brothers that directed that, that wrote and directed yeah. that one, which was a big departure from a lot of the stuff that they were known for up because they would like Mass yes. Society and Dead Presidents were the two big ones before that. Yes. And then From Hell, which is like it's like urban drama, urban drama, period piece. 
uh, but phenomenally done. So yeah, that for me always, always just brought Ian, brought forth Ian home to like this level of this man is amazing. Um, yeah, Steve, yeah, very memorable. Do you, do you have, I know you had Brazil. Is there anything else you have that jumps to mind? Um, well, he was Napoleon in time bandits, but I sure guess since no one else has brought it up. Oh, well, actually I was, I was just using it as a joke. I was just going to actually talk about Ash, you know, since no one nice. else brought that up. Yeah. You should have saved it for the end and said, we didn't have enough time. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I don't actually have much to say about time bandits. I mean, so if someone wants to actually talk about that one, um, it was funny. He was good. You do Ash. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, Ash, I mean, I hadn't really prepped for it, but basically, yeah, if, uh, if anyone has uh, not seen Alien, I'm going to kind of spoil it now. But um, <laughs> yes, the original <laughs> Alien from 1979, uh, you know, features, you know, this crew and um, uh, what are they? There's a few minors, right? Yeah, um, that's all they and, are. Minors. And uh, Ian Holm plays like I guess the doctor science officer, you know, of the crew mm-hmm. and in a, in a sort of a strange twist, you discover that he's actually not human. It's something that is sort of not really addressed until the company, which is just basically a computer that blinks mm-hmm. uh, lights um, instructs him to uh, start to operate outside of the parameters of the, um, the command structure of the, mm-hmm. the crew and uh, his change again, like he starts off as this sort of like, Oh yeah. You know, he's, He's the, he's the guy doing his job and he's like, you know, saying what he needs to say, you know, as his role yeah. uh, into like a, uh, a machine. Like he just turns and it's, it's so interesting. Like all these roles we're talking about with him, like mm-hmm. where he's going crazy or like <laughs> just, yeah. just there's like a, there's this hint of madness or like an outright shift. Like he was yeah. so good. And yeah, so I mean, I mean, yeah, Ash is uh, uh, actually, what, what were they called? The uh, synthetic. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a synthetic and it's so gross. Like, I mean, everything, but he just, uh, he just makes it work, you know? Uh, well, I don't that, think- is, that especially because there'd been that whole sequence where like he, he had been kind of, kind of sneaky and distrustful, but you're like, oh, he's just being sneaky and distrustful mm. right up until he like breaks the hand of one of the crew members that are trying to stop him. And then you're like, wait, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. And then they hit him with that pipe and his head just cranks back. And then all of a sudden you're like, Holy shit! What is going on? Right, like yeah. that exactly. Was, it was the first movie they had never talked about synthetics or androids or anything like that. You have no indication that's what he is right up until you realize it's what he is. Uh, and then again, he delivers a beautiful scene as a disembodied head after that. Exactly. <laughs> um, with you know the the goopiest of white goop flowing out of his face. Yeah. The milk. Yeah. 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 So gross. It. So yeah, it's it's brilliant. Yeah, that's one of uh, obviously his most iconic roles, and absolutely it's good. And that was my final role for him out of my yeah, my, my trilogy, same. my sci-fi oh. fantasy. Um, and he had like once again amazing dialogue. His like yeah. very last words are the fact that he's like, "Well, I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my you sympathy. Have my sympathies." So yeah. you're just like <laughs> brilliant. Okay, robot man. And I yeah. I have a soft spot for anytime there's androids, robots, synthetic, mm-hmm. like anybody who's seems human but isn't human. Like in sci-fi, yeah. I'm like they're my favorite. Here we go. Yeah. And Ash is like. And because of him, we got Bishop later. But yeah. Exactly. He set the stage for Lance Hendrickson's tour de force performance. Yeah. yeah. And I can't and picture I, anybody else in the role, you know, if they no. were to be like, who would do Ash now if we remade it? Like, I don't... You, you, you rewrite don't the really character. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Rewrite the A new character. It's like asking who's going to play Ripley again. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No exactly. one. No one. Move on. No. <laughs> yeah, redo it. Well, I mean, let's just bring Sigourney back. She's 
Just she old would Ripley. kick ass. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Just they've a wrinkly her, Ripley. They've brought her back too many times. Though. They have. They really have. <laughs> They're like, oh, she's just, you know, cryosleep. Let's bring her back again. Yeah, let's bring her back. It's fine. Uh, she has her own action avatar person. Yeah. So she's yeah. an avatar scientist. Yeah. Um, actually, oh, it's funny. Also, I'm, don't worry about spoiling a movie from 1979 because we just <laughs> spoiled one from 2001. So <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, if you haven't seen any of these by now, like what? A what's it's your you, dumb luck. I go back with the. You've had two to three months to get caught up. If you haven't seen it now, you're not going to watch it. I have oh, two to three months. <laughs> let so let me tell you the about the ending of Final Fantasy Seven. Like you've had thirty five years. I Here's Alien. That yeah, but I mean, like old, especially older movies like that. Like for those that have been in lockdown, that were actually adhering to lockdown and could that mm-hmm. were like stuck at home. You have no excuse to have not seen stuff like this if you meant to get around to it. Everything's on Netflix. Exactly. Alien marathon. Yeah. Mm. Well, when you when you say marathon, you mean like the two movie marathon, right? Because there yeah. were no other ones after that. Wait, <laughs> wait, I will still though? defend three to the sure. three has, sure. three has Winona three. though. I I will I will I will stick I will stick up for three. No no I four will. has Winona. Yeah. Oh four. Holy shit. Yeah. Hold yeah. On. yeah. One one's four yeah. resurrection. Goes, yeah. Three yeah. three is the four, prison four was, uh, Aliens yeah. Alien Serenity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a good. I, way made, that, I made that joke. Well, previous yeah, episode. four has been yeah. Alien Resurrection okay. was basically Serenity with aliens in it. If you look at that crew, it was Joss. Yeah, it was just Joss. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, not Alien versus Predator though. Those movies don't exist. <laughs> we no, we draw the line there. Those there, movies, no further. Those movies don't exist. <laughs> the only reason those are even close to tied in continuity is because um, Lance Hendrickson shows up. Which is what breaks my heart. But really, mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take it. Do it's they really have death? <laughs> Okay. That, this is for another no. discussion. We had an episode on this, right? Franchises like, okay. that need to Ian die. Holmes. Ian Holm. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, Brittany, with, uh, when we're talking about Lord of the Rings, the one fun bit of trivia I did stumble on, two bits of trivia, but one that's pertinent and one that's just me spilling tea, um, is what, in 81, the BBC did a radio adaptation of Lord of the Rings where yes. Ian Holm played, voiced Frodo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I got to track that down. Of, which was part of why uh, Peter Jackson wanted to cast him as Bilbo so we could do the <laughs> full circle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't so know my, that. That's yeah. cool. It's amazing. It was only yeah. a minor yeah. little thing, but Peter Jackson had said, like, yeah, I want, because he had heard him do uh, do his Frodo in the radio thing. So he wanted to have you cast him as Bilbo. Which and, I'm uh, here for that. I love that. I want to add yeah. one more uh, little tidbit uh, related to Alien, uh, Ash specifically. Yeah. Um, since we were just talking about how some aliens franchise slash predator franchise things that may or may not exist. Uh-huh. Um, one of the good things that actually did exist was alien isolation, the video game. Oh, and yeah. um, uh, there is a Ash uh, reference in that too, right? I think yes. Ian Holm actually does reprise. Yeah, he does role. a voice. Yeah, I, I, I think then. he yeah. voiced it. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. actually does. So there's so another little, a little bit more of Ash. Uh, there we go. In Ash that continuity. and you shall receive. Get the punnery. We need we need Brittany on more for the puns. He's a voice Ashter. <laughs> oh. I'm done. The other fun tidbit I had is, and this is again, it's not it's not secret. It was well documented. Uh, Ian Holm had a very prolific romantic life, and uh, especially in, in London, amongst the theater performers, he was referred to as the Lord of the Flings. Nice. Uh, and that's like like dogma. Like people called him that because he's he was married four times, I think. <laughs> married four times, had countless other relationships in his in his youth. So he was quite the uh quite the prolific performer. 
quit the build ho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't so know if I'm allowed to say that. He just died. I don't know. Mm. It's okay. He wouldn't, he wouldn't think it. He's such a, he was such a little guy in life, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, small supportive roles and that. But I mean, you played Jack the Ripper once. Yeah. That's all it takes. Yeah. Well, this is also, I mean, this is also like. <laughs> the ladies me. literally fall at your feet while you're in roll. And <laughs> oh, you're not, you know? oh, no. Like, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, Eric, what else have you got? I think you've, we've gone oh, through. Oh, they're, your, they're your all done, too. but um, let me see. He was also in Ratatouille as That's Skinner, true. which we just learned. He's yeah. the, the He was the villain chef. We didn't like anyone. Villain chef. Yeah. That movie didn't really have any villains, per se. The, yeah, that, that one was just trying to uncover why, um, yeah. why what's-his-name was the cooking so well The villain was being now. misunderstood. Yeah. It was more feeling than a person. One of the things I do love about Ratatouille is that it's one of the few movies where there is like there's no definitive villains. There's just levels of obstacles that get overcome. But there's never like and they usually come around at the end. And it's like, that's awesome. I love that Ratatouille was able to visualize what it's like to eat. <laughs> like yeah. like inside your head. Oh, he ate out of the was, trash, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he did it with style. He did. Yeah, that that movie with one frame was able to basically encapsulate why chefs do what they do. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's to invoke that memory. Yep. When nostalgia hits you, you yeah. eat that ratatouille. No, 100%, 100%. Like, if, like, and this looks like I, I, it's what I do. I cook. I, I cook to do have that experience with people. Mm-hmm. Like, when I'm cooking, when I'm at my job, when I'm doing it for people, where I'm like, I want you to, I want to basically elicit this memory where it's like, this makes me happy when I eat this. Mm-hmm. You know what makes me happy? Smoked meat, Matt Moore. I, you know what? Well, <laughs> <No. laughs> Eric, I'm going to do another round this week. I will deliver it up to you because I haven't seen you guys in a while. So it's true. We'll, we'll Maybe talk. we can get you to make like Lembus bread or something. From Lord I actually made Lembus bread today. Yeah. It could be a home cooked meal. Oh. Even though the elves cook it, but it's, you know. <laughs> it, he, he, was, loves bread. he was at home with the elves. Oh. oh, he is in the gray havens. Your puns are infectious. <laughs> Just like the spores in The Last of Us. Yeah. Oh, Full circle. It's all connected. It's all connected. All connected. It really is. Uh, I'm going to yank this back on topic. Because uh, I have another one for, for uh, cause I had two as well. And I didn't know we were going to do three, but I threw a third one in that I loved as well. My second one is from uh, 1994. It's The Madness of King George, uh, where he plays uh, Dr. Francis Willis, who was actually, another, again, another... He, Ian Holm was also great at playing historical figures, like right. a lot of those. Uh, Francis Willis was the uh, final, ultimate and final physician to George III mm. during his uh, illness. He was the one that actually brought him back into sanity. Wow, that's crazy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that was. I didn't even mean that to be a joke. I was no. just looking yeah. like, wow. Uh, there's, there's the, the first away. Yes, he was uh, a former clergyman who eventually became one of the first like noted, noted psychologists. This historical figure in the play, he's a phenomenal character. He has some again iconic speeches. Uh, and this is you can find this link on YouTube uh, if you just type type in Ian Holm Madness of King George. It will bring up the one scene that is definitive for that, which is. Uh, basically when he's brought in for the first time to deal with George III, who is in the midst of his madness, uh, in the movie mm-hmm. played by Nigel Hawthorne, who also originated the role in London. Phenomenal performance. Wow. Uh, where basically uh, the king says, I basically, basically tells him to go fuck himself. Uh, with, in, As in kings do. 
he actually says that later in the film, but this time he's just like, no, I'm not listening to you. You because he mostly because uh, Ian Holmes' character dared to actually make eye contact with him, mm. which is not a thing that you do. You did with the king. The audacity of these people. He, he basically says, like, you know, do, do you do you look at me, sir? I do, sir. It's like I have you in my eye, sir. No, sir, I have you in my eye. And basically, then he then basically gets his guys to strap him into a restraint chair, and then lists off, you know, if the king does this, he will be restrained. If the king says he has no appetite, he will be restrained. If he swears, he will be restrained. If he, you know, scratches at his, you know, sores, he'll be restrained. And if he does not strive every single day to be a better person and look after his own wellness. He will be restrained, and the king in this chair, strapped down, screams, you know, I am the king of England, and Ian Holm just stares at me and I said, no, sir, you are the patient. Ooh. And it's just like, it's one of, from that play, it's a, it's the end of Act wow. 1. It's mm-hmm. like, gut punch scene, and it's literally this stare down, where you have Nigel Hawthorne, who was, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, he's a big guy, and tiny little Ian Holm, in this little, you know, gray country wig, staring up at him, when he's talking to him originally, then in the chair, he's like eye to eye with him because he's sitting in, he's the same height of him when he's sitting. No, sir, you are the patient. And I was like, Burr. I talked mm. about this on one of our last episodes, but how I love this play. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Nat- the- National Theater had it up. Yeah, we just talked about it. It's really it. awesome. Um, it's phenomenal. It's uh, the movie itself. It's like 94. It's harder to find. It has a phenomenal British character cast. I recommend it wholeheartedly. Um, it's especially because a lot of the, the play starts off with uh, his, his basically his first symptoms occur when they talk about the fact that he lost America. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Because it it all that happens shortly after the Revolutionary War that they definitively lost and got trounced on. Yikes. And it becomes a sore point with him, and that which a lot of people, you know, they joke in the play that he'd been driven to madness because he lost the colony. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. Yeah. He's a sore loser, and that results in bed sores. Yeah. But to go with what you're saying, you know, you're so, he has these amazing moments or these monologues in character. Mm-hmm. It's really like if you go to YouTube and look up his name for any of his films, you'll, you'll get find an amazing, iconic scene. Yeah. And it's almost like Ian bodies these amazing characters. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Actually, no, it's true because I was when I was looking up uh, the bit from 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 hell. I, I went onto YouTube and started typing in Ian Holm monologue and immediately this giant list yeah. of like, monologue in every movie was listed there. So I'm like, oh, from help, click, there it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. they use that line that you were referencing in the trailer, actually. Uh, yes, so. they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a phenomenal performance. And again, the, the play, that movie and the play associated with it are just like beautifully crafted and so heart-wrenching because the, you know, this you know, it's the king who you kind of hate because he's a king and then you see him as a human and you know, yeah. you kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, that's good acting. Mm-hmm. It's also mm-hmm. funny in that in the movie, in Madness of George and in the play, uh, later on when the king's recovering, uh, part of what uh, Willis does to help him recover is he has him read Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Classic. In, in this play, particularly when uh, the prime minister goes to visit him, they're reading King Lear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The big joke being is that, you know, like, like Dr. Wills, are you sure this is appropriate? He's like, I didn't know what it was about. <laughs> um, and hilariously, full circle, the, the last big stage role that Ian Holm was well known for was he portrayed King Lear in London. Mm-hmm. Nice. Which had also marked his return to stage because he had abandoned stage for 25, 30 years. Wow. Because he had developed a crippling stage fright uh, in the late 70s when he was doing The Iceman Cometh. He like literally got to where he couldn't go on stage because he froze. Mm-hmm. 
And so he walked away from it for years and they had to basically like the national theater had to con- all but beg him to come back to do the play. And he did. And he got a whole bunch of awards for it. Cause he was phenomenal. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that's mm. my, my random trivia tidbits on that. He also played puck. I did yes, not did. know that. That's crazy. Yeah. Back in the day. 1959. Yeah. That's always a good character. Mm-hmm. He's done, he has done a considerable amount of theater in his day. As yeah. have all renowned British actors. Yeah, well, that's why yeah, you get him to do Star Wars. Yeah, it was yeah. 67. <laughs> was the last, yeah, 67 was the last time he completed a play, which is Romeo and Juliet. And it was shortly after that that he uh, walked away from it. And it was 97 and he came back to do King, King Lear. Crazy. But I mean, he was kind of busy in the itinerant time. So, wow. you know, it, it, yeah. Yeah. he only had a couple of films. <laughs> they actually had a um uh josh gad has a youtube series called reunited apart yes. i don't know if you guys have watched this and he Sorry, gets all these that. he has a um a youtube series josh gad has a youtube mm-hmm. series called reunited apart so he grabs like casts of old films oh so he's wow had, so he's had um the goonies on goonies and then because he had the goonies on he got lord of the rings to come back like most of the mm-hmm. cast and yeah. Ian Holmes was feeling under the weather, um, mm-hmm. so he couldn't come on. But he had a lovely message at the end for the the cast, and it was yeah, it, it's such it was so worded it was worded perfectly, and you well, it was you could just hear it in his voice. Yeah, that episode was a month ago, I think. Yeah. Not yeah. even mm-hmm. that. So I mean, he was still very sick at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, if I you do, haven't yeah. checked it out, check out the, his series. He's done Back to the Future. He's done yeah. Ghostbusters. The Lord oh. of the Rings episode is beautiful because it's, it's just the best key. one. Lord of the Rings. Uh, Ian McKellen swoops in with like the best arrival on it because it's all Zoom calls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so, so like, good. There's one point where they ask, uh, like they get, they're doing like scene recreations, and they're kind of like, let's go over the scenes again. <laughs> and uh, they were talking about uh, the Frodo's whole speech, you know, like I wish this didn't fall to me, mm-hmm. and like he's kind of. The, uh, he's doing, and the, then it's like, so do all who live through such. And you hear his time. voice, and then all of a sudden the screen pops up, and he's just there. It's like, oh, and he's like Ian McCallum just being Sir Ian. Doing that's the yeah. So that's actually at the beginning of the episode where they're like, uh, we should get um, Elijah Wood to call everyone. He's like, I don't, I don't want to do this. And then he pops <laughs> up and does that line. Yeah. And you're like, yes, yeah, Ian. And he does another part. Um, oh my god, the scene he does. Um, scene recreations in every episode and it's just so yeah. good and i can't remember the one that ian mccallum did but it was so funny and just killed <laughs> oh, everyone oh, that's also where we found out that uh sean bean got sides for his mordor speech and it was written on his lap so that's yes. why he kept on doing this yeah the whole, when, the whole yeah, the, time the, the he whole kept on looking at, down the speech of rivendell was just him reading the lines because he had just gotten the script like yeah. the day before no that we wrote it that, that day yeah. <laughs> one does not simply wow. Walk, Walk into, into Mordor. That's why he did that. He was <laughs> yeah. reading the lines. Oh, I'm so strained. Movies. What a great mm-hmm. actor that none of us could yeah. tell he was reading off of his exactly. leg. Because he's Sean Goddamn Bean. That's why. <laughs> the greatest actor to ever die in every movie. Every single. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's, he dies good. He does. he does die. It's one of the universal constants. Death, taxes, every Greek song will eventually speed up. Sean Bean will always die in a film. A stark reality. That's what we all said when he died. (laughs) Game of Thrones is still a sore, a sore, sore. Yeah, part. I just forget it ended, and then I remember, and I go, "Ooh." Yeah, we try to forget that show. Yeah, it's too bad they never did the last two seasons. 
I know. Yeah. Along with only having, you know, two aliens movies and Or they didn't do the smart thing with that. Lord of the Rings just three. They could have just done six seasons in a movie and it would have been fine. And they only did the first half of Battlestar season four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Did that show have like 28 seasons? <laughs> to, to bring it back in a, in, a, in a distant fashion to Ian Holm, while I was looking at that uh, that uh, Time Bandits thing, I realized that Ian Holm actually was Napoleon uh, three different times in yes. his career. Yeah. And uh, yeah, originally in a TV show uh, in 1970. 74, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and he played Napoleon and it yeah. was like a drama about uh, it's Napoleon and love. And it was all about his, his relationships. Mm. And then I guess because of that, uh, they might've brought him back just to be <laughs> Napoleon in the time travel 1981 movie time band. It's just going to appear yeah. very briefly, but then more interestingly in 2001, I had no idea he was in the emperor's new clothes where again, he plays Napoleon, but at the end of his life, um, yeah. when he, uh, they kind of play a switcheroo and um, yeah, it looks really cool. I'm going to have to check that out. I'm yeah. surprised he wasn't like in Bill and Ted at that point. Yeah. You know? uh, <laughs> like every Napoleon role. Oh my God. He would have been expensive to get in that movie because yeah, I mean, the been. biggest name in that was George Carlin. So yeah. was it Carlin? Was there any, I was trying to, there wasn't yeah, Carlin is so. the biggest name. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they weren't really going for, uh, for name recognition in that film. They were going <laughs> for quality performances. I would have done that movie for free. Yep. Oh. You weren't even born yet then. Hey, the audience doesn't oh, have to know that. I just threw open my mouth a lot when I said that. Like, I remember that movie in theaters. <laughs> I do too, actually. I remember seeing the poster. I'd be like, what is this yeah. weird thing? And never getting the 69 joke. Not till later. I watched, I watched that at, a, at the age of five, and I was like, 69 dudes. And yeah. I got it. See, I always got it because I'm like, oh, it's because they traveled back, so they remember what they said to themselves. I'm like, no, that's that's why it's funny. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's my brain. That's how you know where my brain was as a kid, where I'm like, no, it's because of the time travel. They remember. They want to keep the cycle going, not, oh, they just, they're perverts and teenagers. Okay. We're dust in the wind, dude. Dust. Dust. Wind. wind. Dude, dude, strange <laughs> things are afoot at the Circle K. I just watched that. Both of those movies on um, Bill and Ted. Oh, Day. they're so great! <laughs> I love it. Um, does anyone else have any other movies they want to talk about? Roles, iconicness of the great Sir Ian. He was in so many good movies. All right, Hawk, hit me. Go, Hawk. So, uh, another supporting role, small but very effective, and mm-hmm. it stays with you if you've seen it. But 1988's uh, Naked Lunch, uh, yeah. David Cronenberg's <laughs> adaptation of the William S. Burroughs novel. I was sitting there, I'm like, uh, is he going to talk uh, about Naked Lunch? Because I know that one was on my list. I can as think well. of yeah. two things wrong with this title. <laughs> That's all I think of now. It's because that stupid joke. But yeah, I'm glad someone else is talking about this because I don't remember it well enough. So yes, yes, Hawk, tell us. So he played uh, Tom Frost in the movie. It was one of the characters from the book. Uh, it was like his host in Monaco, uh, mm-hmm. you know, during Bill Lee's exile from the United States. Um, and, you know, Holmes plays it as very warm, inviting, you know, host and that, you know, walking along with him kind of arm in arm around the streets of Monaco and that. And uh, begins what's known as the telepathic conversation with Bill Lee, where he confesses mm-hmm. that he's slowly murdering his wife for over, for over a year. Uh, hmm. As you see, you know, he, as you see them walking along, and they're having one conversation where their mouths are moving, and that, and then this silent conversation between the, the pair of them. Uh, it's important in the book because it's it's very autobiographical to William S. Burroughs. Uh, I don't know if you know much about his uh, history in that, but uh, uh, he was a, he exiled himself from the states after uh, that he 
killed his wife mm. uh, in what what's called what the, he called the William Tell routine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and the conversation between the two of them in that film is uh, meant to reflect like the, a, a conversation he's had, like William S. Burroughs is having with his own subconscious about his feelings about it, whether mm-hmm. it was intentional or not. And again, Holmes Holmes played it beautifully. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see the the actual conversation these two men are having, and that is his face changes and his eyes go very dark, not quite not quite from hell dark, but you, you see <laughs> yeah. the intensity there. Uh, and it, it really in the, in that instant, it really shows off his skill uh, to be able to switch modes, you know, almost on the fly. Yeah, mm-hmm. as an actor. Oh yeah, he's really able to just like on a dime just switch over, and you're like, tag. You went from like kind of benign to just creepy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I've me, never I've, heard of this, so I'm very interested. Now I'm gonna watch it. You've never seen Naked Lunch? No, and I didn't oh. even know it was based on something that was written or a thing that actually happened. So yeah. it's uh, it I'm is. Learning. I mean, it's it's yeah, it's a movie. It's, to be yeah, fair, yeah. I wasn't alive for Bill and Ted. I don't know what you expected. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. It, it is, yeah, again, it's like quintessential Cronenberg, so it's just weird as shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we'll see if you'll be alley. making that uh, that Simpsons joke for real after you've watched it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. Yeah, uh, phenomenal cast. That's Cronenberg. He's really good at getting phenomenal character actors. I um, mean, Peter Weller, Ian Holm, Roy Scheider. Like great, 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 great movie, but just yeah, it's weird as hell. Yeah, yeah. I'd say Peter Weller's like second most iconic role, honestly. Yes, hundred percent. Yes. Performance wise, his most iconic. Recognition wise, second second after yeah. RoboCop for yeah, sure. Yeah. Don't worry, I've seen RoboCop. Which one? The big RoboCop. The big RoboCop. What do you mean? The which only, one? Which there was, only one was a remake. Oh, oh wait, no, it never happened. Yeah, this is the episode no. where a lot of things never happened. No, I just, I, just, I didn't even know they remade it. Oh, <laughs> that's no. good. Yeah, that's yeah. a good thing. Uh, don't because I was like, what do you mean? Which Robocop? don't even seek it out. It was a hot. And there was only one. There was yeah. never more than one Robocop um, movie. I like Robocop two. That's just me though. I, I like Robocop two. Two is goofy. Keep- it's okay. Two uh, was such a I such mean, a nineties like drugs and bands. Oh, nineties. Yeah, seeing like a seeing a juvenile dying on a pile of cash. I mean, that's there's nothing more drug war yeah. <laughs> anti propaganda. It was very like <laughs> war on drugs propaganda film, but in a really like campy, silly kind of way, mm-hmm. as opposed to like an actual series. Like they took everything that was serious about the first movie and kind of threw it out the window for like goofy violence and thin plot. Yeah, I, I don't. Accurate. I don't know any Fair of enough. these Peter Weller movies. All I can think of is Into Darkness. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> He was the bad guy in that. Don't know what bad. you're talking about. Star Trek t- Yep. That move, did that movie ever happen? Nope. No. No. <laughs> oh, no, you know what? I can oh. barely remember anything in that film. And was, therefore, it didn't happen. I was going to talk about like, more Peter Weller, and I don't want... We're not talking about Peter Weller. In it's this. not Peter Weller. It's not, it's not Wellercast. We'll he was a good Batman. He was a good Batman. What? What was he Batman? What was he Batman? He was in the animated Dark Knight... Uh, in the Dark Knight Returns. Oh, Dark, okay, yeah, thank you. Oh, in the, in the yeah, okay. I was like, which movie was he? That one? I yeah, remember. I'm like, uh, <laughs> which movie that does that does not exist from the he list? Stood of in movies? from Batfleck. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So I think we can. I think we've kind of wrapped this up. Well, we will wrap it up. I should say yeah. no. We have wrapped it. We will wrap it up. Um, Ian Holm, phenomenal actor. Look him up if you don't know him. 
shame on you. And also, why would you be listening to this if you have no idea who Ian Holm is? Because everything, most of what he's done is very noteworthy in the the geeky, nerdy, awesome film sector. Especially Lord of the Rings. Come on. Come on. Yeah, if you don't know what Lord of the Rings is, I don't know how you're operating uh, anything that you listen to podcasts on. (laughs) I like to think of Ian Holmes. Who Bilbo is. Yeah. Sorry. I like to think of Ian Holmes as one of those actors that even if you don't know who Ian Holmes is, you still know who Ian Holmes is now because he's just been in so much. He is is one of the quintessential British that guys. Yeah. Oh, it's that guy. Yeah, that guy from The Thing. Yeah. It's like that guy. Wasn't he in one of those weird elf movies? Get out of here right now. (laughs) Get out. Get out of my store. Um, Awesome. So uh, I'd like to thank everyone for for jumping on this one. I also realized it was very, very last minute, but I, I really wanted to uh, to be able to give our little retrospective on the great career of Ian Holm and all the phenomenal work that he's done. Um, so, uh, Brittany, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You guys knocked it out of the park, you know? It was a real home run. Home run? Oh. <laughs> and with that, I'll um. leave. I just need to grow one last time. That's uh, some bad skills. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for having me. Right. I love just... You know, joining in when I can. Yeah. So uh, on behalf of Eric, Hawk, uh, Steve, Brittany, and myself, I'd like to thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it for us this week on Geeks with Kids. If you want to get a hold of us, you can send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekswithkids. Follow us on Twitter at geekswithkidscn. Check out our pics on Instagram at geekswithkids. And you can find all of this good stuff on our website at www.geekswithkids.ca. So if you like what you hear, why don't you hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment. This podcast can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.